May I have your attention, please? Welcome to the Life in Tech podcast with Jay and Saad, where every week they will be sharing their experiences, insights, and opinions about working in the technology industry. Simply the best. <laughs> Welcome back to the Life in Tech podcast with Jay and Saad. This week's episode is going to be about something which is trending right now, um, not just in the tech industry, but I think across all industries. It's a subject which I believe kind of stems from the great resignation which happened last year, if you remember Saad. I think we kind of mentioned it in one of our um, kind of previous um, kind of episodes where everyone is like, quitting their jobs especially like high paid like jobs in tech and they're just saying hey like we've had enough of the workplace we've had enough of kind of full days and extended hours and this kind of stuff and we've earned enough that hey we deserve a break and we're gonna kind of just go off and live our lives and kind of retire early so to speak this is like transformed and like morphed into this new thing this kind of new kind of movement which is kind of scaling all over the world called quiet quitting so you mess Message me the other day. Yeah. Last week. And he was like, watch this. And it was a TikTok video. And I just opened it and it had this caption. I was like, what's this? I've never heard of this before. Like this was completely new to me. And then when I dug a bit deeper and I was looking into it, I found a lot of or a few different interpretations of it. It wasn't quite clear what the the actual meaning was mm. of quiet quitting, right? Then when I dug a bit deeper and I started to put a lot of things together and I've got, I'd say a, a pretty good understanding of what they're trying to do, this movement. But I'm a bit cloudy in terms of why it's here or why mm. it's happening so if you can unpack this for us you know just give us a breakdown of what's going on how it started okay there's like kind of multiple kind of interpretations but the one that seems the most consistent around quiet quitting it is a refusal to go the extra mile like to put it into a nutshell right so and that is in any that's job, across any industry but it is becoming or kind of emerging kind of much more kind of in the tech industry because of the fact that they are predominantly kind of desk jobs because of of the fact that there are kind of hard deadlines associated with the creative industry and the product industry because of the fact that there are tons of high stress situations when kind of creating products and kind of digital services and having to kind of turn around things quickly in agencies and you know uh, for clients in kind of short timelines all this kind of stuff so it's starting to kind of grow quite rapidly and within tech and can ultimately it's like as with like the kind of great resignation that happened last year it was mainly kind of millennials. Again, this seems to be like a millennial and Gen Z thing. So there seems to be a specific group, yeah, age group around. Exactly. This, it seems to be movement. attached to kind of an age group, millennials and Gen Z, mm -hmm. who are basically saying, hey, this is my contract. Like, this is what I've got hired to do. I'm working between these hours. And that's it. Oh, the client wants something to be turned around by Monday and you're telling me at 5 p.m. on a Friday. Sorry, but, you know, I've got gym class to go to <laughs> at 6, so I'm out of here. So, like, is that kind of mentality. Where it's going is that you do just enough and you're working within the confines of your contract, right? So you are still doing your job. You're still performing your job mm -hmm. in your role, mm -hmm. but you're doing just enough. You're not going beyond that. So what does that mean? That means that eventually mm -hmm. you might be seen as underperforming and then eventually you may get 
fired or made redundant or dismissed in some way. That's why mm. they call it quiet quitting because it's not like so they're like, just handing in resignation. The, is the person themselves have internally mm. quit, yeah. but externally still practicing the minimum acceptance minimum. acceptance of their contract? Absolute minimum, yeah. So is that the, the meaning That's of... That's literally, yeah. You, you want me in at nine? I'm in at nine. I'm okay. not getting in at 8.30. Okay. It's that kind of mentality. Oh, we, f- we finish at five, I'm clocking off at five. And do they actually say this or it's just purely actual? Just action. Okay, so it's not it's not verbalized in any way. No, no, no. Okay, now why is it becoming a movement though? Why is it becoming quite prevalent? What has kicked this off, especially now? Because I just popped it into Google this this afternoon mm. and so many articles that have been written in the last two weeks, last month on this subject, mm. right? Even articles in this region, yeah, 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 not just in the West. So why why is it now? What made it take off now? Like really quite it's prevalent. A, it's about control, right? Kind of the crux of what I'm understanding is it's about regaining control of your life. Mm. So the whole conversation effectively everything has stemmed from COVID okay yeah so from COVID people realized that they had a better kind of work-life balance mm-hmm. kind of with families they could do extra extracurricular stuff kind of so to speak whatever mm-hmm. that led to the great resignation and then now people just saying like called off with you know these additional deadlines or kind of extended hours giving me or expecting me to do I've got other things that fulfill my life outside of work and they're more important so I'm just going to do what I've been contracted to do and if you want more out of me well you're not going to get it. Mm, this sounds very, I wouldn't say strange. It sounds like these people don't really like what they do. Interesting. Because I'm trying to think about myself, right? And see, look, if you're just going to do what is the bare minimum of your contract, right? Mm. Eventually, like you're just going to be very quite stale throughout the whole time that you're at this particular job, right? Now, say you're looking to upskill or to promote someone in your team. Mm. So you're scouting out all the members of your team. You're, you're looking over the period of a year or two or whatever you're looking for the person that you want to promote mm-hmm. and then you just see this person that's just quite linear mm. they're doing the bare minimum mm-hmm. you know you you cannot say okay they're not doing their job because they are mm. but it's very just there's no moments where they're going beyond or you know like if you want to put one of your reportees into a lead role mm. they need to start actively implementing some of the responsibilities of a lead before they mm. actually go into that role officially mm. now it sounds like these people are doing this bare minimum or what is required on paper mm-hmm. they're not really looking for anything promotion or any recognition or what's their goal because from what i read they see an imbalance between their work and life mm-hmm. right but if you enjoy what you do mm-hmm. and you're being recognized for it and you're getting you know put in the right places and pushed in the right directions that kind of merges with your life it might not be your life solely but it kind of merges in with what you but they don't care about that so they they're, they're not they're not bothered about recognition promotions so so they just want their paycheck. They just it. want the paycheck because... So they don't care what they do. Well, let's face it. Everyone to survive, everyone needs some sort of income, right? And right. let's keep this to the kind of tech industry. Mm-hmm. In general, the tech industry pays well, right? They pay, pay quite generously kind of across the board. Yeah. I think everyone kind of knows that. It's quite well, well known. So that's why a lot of people are moving, gravitating into tech. Right. Now, some people gravitate into tech out of pure passion, right? And kind of sometimes kind of talent and stuff. And it kind of just moves them into the direction. But there's a, another 
another wave of people who are literally going into into the tech industry because of the aforementioned uh, reasons, right? Money, security, kind of regular paycheck, benefits, all this kind of stuff. Ultimately, they want the benefits, but they don't care about the work, right? And what I'm saying is there's a lot of people moving into the industry who are just moving into it because they know it's high paying. They know it's got the benefits. They know it's secure and they know that there's longevity in it. So if that's the case, and that's the reason why a lot of people are now becoming self-taught and moving into the industry, they're not doing it necessarily. I'm not saying everyone, but like some people aren't doing it because they love it, right? They're just doing it because they want to secure the bag and that's it. So if that is just their sole purpose, it's just to secure the bag, then they're just going to sit at their desk and do what they have been contracted to do. Then that's it. There's no aspiration to move upwards. There's no kind of ambition or hustle kind of about them to say do you know what like we've got these mm. tight deadlines like nah for me that doesn't fix the imbalance that you might think you have with Mm. your personal life because if you have that mindset if you have that mentality where i'm just here to bag the paycheck and as soon as 5 30 hits i'm out the door Mm. you are going to hate every moment or eventually reach the point where you hate every moment Mm. when you're in your contract hours Mm. from 9 9 30 to 5 whatever Mm. and the cycle will never end so you you might might, hate it though you might still you might still enjoy it you might still enjoy it that makes no sense to me. Well, you can enjoy something and still clock off as well, right? But it just makes no sense. Why? You're saying you have to work overtime all the time? No, 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 not at all. And we will get to that about overworking. Yeah. Not at all. But it's like, from what I saw, this is why I saw so many different interpretations because mm. some were saying it means you're not overworking. Mm. I'm not for overworking. Mm. Of course. Well, what's time. overworking? What is overworking? Hey, what's overworking? Yeah. That's a good question. That is a good question. Because the reason I asked that question, yeah, is because people who are affiliated with this movement or cult, whatever we want to call it, yeah, Mm. one minute past the hour is overworking. No, no, see, that that for me is extreme, though. No, no, I'm being extreme in my example, but I'm saying, like, they just want to work within the contract. Mm -hmm. So this, like, we need to hustle, get together, no, by any means necessary. I remember when I was starting out in design, like, it got to a point where sometimes, like, the founder, so the first company I worked for was, like, a kind of medium-sized, it was a small startup, Mm -hmm. and we had tight deadlines like we had clients to serve all this kind of stuff it got to a point where because i loved what i did as well but i'd be leaving the office at like 11 p.m like the founder mm. would like give me the keys and say like jay like make sure you lock yeah, up yeah, and yeah, set yeah. the alarm and all this yeah, kind of stuff yeah. like and that happened like on more than one occasion but i didn't mind because i enjoyed the work i liked mm. it. that's the thing you you made a, a an important point there you said that happened more on one occasion mm. which means maybe it happened two or three times right mm, maybe four Four or five. Four or five. All right, let, all right, let's just say, for argument's sake, 10 times, right? Okay. But you worked at this place for how long? Two years. Two years. Two and a half years, maybe. Right. Would you say that is a lot of times that should have... It's not. Should have not happened. To me, no, because I learned loads. I.e., it wasn't worth it. Because right. as soon as we... I spent all that time... And this is another reason why I think people are moving towards this as well, by the way. But like, I spent all of that time like making sure that we didn't miss the deadline, give it to the client. The client's like, oh, yeah, we've changed our minds. Uh, we want to go in a different direction. <laughs> you know, these yeah, to be honest, I'm surprised that didn't drive me to quite a quick. Yeah, no, no, but that's that's just expected from like agency client work, man. Like you know, it's <laughs> it's just expected, and I think everyone in their early days went through that. You know, who's in there? Some like design space, development space, right of passage. Yeah, Jay's just um, casually eating pizza. Yeah, sorry, guys. Way, so if you can hear me munching, um, it's because it's good. <laughs> so yeah, but the thing is about this this movement that is uh, becoming. Quite 
quite evident now is that for me, like when I was reading about it, I just kept thinking about putting myself in their position, right? How I would think and I would execute that mindset. And I'm thinking to myself, I would have to constantly reevaluate my morals because I understand that you're you're doing what you signed on the contract, right? Like mm. you, you're delivering what you agreed to on the contract and the employer knows what they've agreed to as well. But imagine you had your own company, right? And you had this big team and everybody had a, like a mindset like that. How would you feel? Like how would you think about those that you're working with every day? Like what? Because I understand that, okay, we need to do what we can and work within our ability and stuff like that. But there's certain times where you need to also challenge yourself and put yourself in situations where, okay, I might need to do a little bit more because I'm trying to upskill. So the benefit, I see it like it's beneficial for me because I'm trying to upskill. I'm trying to um, maybe work on something that I'm not too strong at. I'm trying to, you know, maybe I want to get promoted. Maybe I want to do difficult things that requires yeah. more, me to work outside of my time mm -hmm. because one day I might want to start my own business and I want to, mm -hmm. you know, go through that difficulty now. So then iron out some things that I don't know. And then mm -hmm. when I'm positioning myself in that place where I can open my own business, I figured things out already. But it sounds like this movement, I just, I don't want to upskill in anything. Mm -hmm. The skills that I'm happy with now or the skills that I've got right now, I want them to remain like that. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to get more money. I don't want to get promoted because it's more of a risk. It's a riskier investment to overwork than it is to just find a new job, right? It's a riskier investment. But a lot of us do it because we might be happy with the place that we work at. We might like our team. We might like the current salary that we're on. We might like the, the the journey in the, and and the things that we're doing at that current moment so we don't go and look for a new job even though that you might know there's other jobs out there that will pay you much more yeah. but it sounds like these people are just happy with where they're at mm. and they want to stay where they're at mm. so when do they ever move but why do they need to but when do they call it quits is what i'm saying like when, when do when they, they get fired <laughs> So they, uh, uh, huh? That's why it's called quiet quitting. Because eventually, so it they gets noticed so that you're, you're doing the bare minimum and then eventually get pulled up on it and you still continue with your behavior. And, and they then just get fired from place to place. I don't know. I don't know if the movement's been around long enough for us to collect that data, but I'll be interested to, to know the answer to that question. What, how does that benefit anyone? What if your next employer says, well, we want a reference, you know? Can I speak to the previous people you worked with? Hold on a minute. This, this person was just doing the bare minimum for the last five years and they were quiet quitting or whatever like yeah, but references aren't what they used to be that's true like, that's also true you know what references are now like references are like a letter gets sent or email these days gets sent to, to hr did this person work for you between this date and yes. this date tick the box <laughs> yes or no and that's that and that's it <laughs> like, that's literally as simple as yeah. it is i've seen it many times back I in the know, day it used to be like literally provide this person a reference and we want the reference from their management or whatever and you'd like expect at least like a paragraph or something some places still do that it's rare though some Places Especially like in like bigger corps. Mm -hmm. It's very rare. Because it's time consuming, I guess. I right. guess so. But I look like your original kind of, I think you asked me a question in there. Mm. Like, how do you handle that kind of situation where like someone's like performing or behaving like that? And or, like, how does that make you feel? I think that's what you said. If you were like a business owner mm. or even a manager, let's go to the extreme case. Say mm. you, you like, you literally have your own business, yeah. you know, your own agency. Let's say mm. your own agency. You've got a bunch of clients. A client to agencies is everything. Yeah. Right. It's their bread and butter. You're trying to retain these 
these clients, you're trying to please them as much as you can. Let's just go to the extreme case. Your entire team is like mm. that, has that mindset. The entire team is like yeah, that. Yeah, let's say you're a small design shop, right? Wow. There's like 10 of you and you're the owner, but you also, you're doing some of the hands-on work as well because you're a small team. Oh, if the whole team's like that, I might be doing all of the hands-on work. <laughs> Ultimately, like for me, it comes down to, there's a core value mm. around ownership, mm -hmm. right? So when I go back to that example where I did the kind of all of that work, Mm. Um, up until like 11 p.m. Like, and it was ended up being like four nothing because we had to like, change requirements or whatever. Mm. Fine. Why did I do that? Because I had ownership mm. over the work that I was doing, right? I felt invested exactly. in what I was producing and exactly. I wanted to produce like the highest quality possible. Mm. And I wanted to kind of please the company, please the client and kind of get rewarded, blah, 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 blah. So these people who are behaving in, in this way, there's a lack of, in my opinion, there's a lack of ownership there because there are going to be times if you truly own what you're doing, sometimes you're going to overrun. Of course. And sometimes, you know, things are going to have to, you have to spend more time than you had originally planned to kind of get things over the line because you have that sense of ownership. You want to do that because you want to deliver a, a good job. But doesn't and you that... don't want the products mm -hmm. or the company or the team that mm. you're in to fail. Isn't that an important aspect of ownership? You are responsible for dictating how much time and effort is required for you to complete this task in the best way you know how. Like, isn't that part of ownership? I don't, I don't think so. Why? I think that's part of process, I would say. Mm -hmm. Because ownership, ownership means that like you're like, truly kind of like dedicated. And yeah, you might plan to say, do you know what, like I'm going to get this task done in an hour. But if you run into complications and, and you find bigger problems to, to kind of figure out, then you reevaluate exactly so that is part of ownership your reevaluation is like because you i thought you were saying that you're sitting confines and no saying, no no I'm just gonna but for example like online. you don't have someone next to you saying jay you said you're going to do that in an hour you've got five minutes less let's reevaluate your time like you you have ownership of that reevaluation at the time part of the process you're right as well i think but yeah. it's part of ownership yeah. so i'm struggling to understand like the goal of this this movement like I understand, okay, they just want to do the bare minimum. They want to take the, the, the paycheck. They want an easy life. But that's not an easy life. They call it a soft life. Have you heard about this? Soft life. Soft life. Have you heard about it? What are you doing? Cuddling teddies all day. So soft life is like another, it's like another <laughs> movement. It's like another movement where you just want an easy life. You want to go on holidays. You want to kind of do recreational stuff. You want to have kind of more family time. You, it's effectively saying, "Hey, like I, I just want to, I just want to relax. You know, I don't, want, I don't want stress. It sounds, like, it sounds like these people don't. I don't want work to be stressful. Ideally, I'd rather not work. <laughs> and you know, mm. like this is called soft life. So I feel, I feel like the two kind of blend together, like right, quiet right, quitting, right. soft right. life, kind of. It sounds like they don't really. One. Well, the soft life one, uh, quiet quitting might be different, but it sounds like the soft life people don't like taking instructions much. Like they just want to... <laughs> Let me find an official definition of soft life. Soft life. That's the actual term. And to be honest, I think I think it kind of emerged like around the same time as this whole kind of quiet, quiet thing. Oh yeah, so soft life is a life of ease without requiring hard work, sacrifice and unpleasantness. And you could argue with this, but there is no satisfaction in that. This is a social movement which is less about wealth and more about fair access to a standardised good quality of living. So I feel like quiet quitting kind of falls in to that because it kind of helps the soft lifers to kind of enable that soft life here's a question to soft lifers it's life without hardship yeah okay and 
extra hours. Okay. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. Tight deadlines. Yeah. Hard work. Yeah. Complex work. Right. Um, high pressure situations. Yeah. Conflicts. Mm-hmm. High intensity problem solving. These are high stress situations. Soft right. lifers don't want that. And neither do quiet quitters. Right. How do you feel when you achieve one of those things? How do they get satisfied in their life? Because eventually they're going to get bored, right? But they've got tons of stuff happening outside their life. But where are they being challenged? When they're rock climbing. They're constantly just in <laughs> a... They're rock climbing they just, and stuff. They just sound like they're constantly in a state of, of high dopamine. Like there's, there's many, many studies, so much research that goes into constant dopamine hits is not good for you, right? It's just not. There's this... There's so many studies around this and it just sounds like these soft life people are just constantly in a state of high dopamine. You know, they just want to do quote unquote fun stuff. Mm. Now we both know that to achieve real satisfaction in your life, to achieve, you know, gratitude and really feel like you've achieved something good is hard work, challenges, hard work, right? Where do these people find those challenges? Where do they feel like they're being tested and their skills are being um, tested and stuff like that? Like, where do they find that? Like, you must be a certain type of person to follow this way of life because... I'm not sure. I can't do that. I can't do it either. I'm bored. That's why I think like it's it's difficult for us to answer that. Listen, like if someone's tuned in and like you're just sounds like you, like, just sounds you like identify sport. as like a quiet quitter. Actually, maybe you don't want to come out as a quiet quitter. <laughs> but like if you're a soft lifer and kind of that's your thing, that's what you want to do. And maybe I, I guess like uh, someone there might be a brazen and a quiet quitter out All there. Right. Like we want to hear from you. Like, in your opinion. Invite yourselves on. In your opinion, mm. what would a day in the life of a soft life look like? You wake up 4 p.m. like that. No, no, no. That's, that's, just, that's different. That's like that's just lazy life. Like, that's bum, not bum life. life. <laughs> like, you can still be like an early riser, but you might want to go, like, I don't know, you might just want to kind of go for a stroll in the park and, and like have a picnic or like another soft life. I might just want to spend a whole day on a yacht somewhere or just kind of go like gallivanting around the world. Like, just chilling, not really. It's just kind of taking things easy. It sounds like early retirement yeah that's what it is that's all it, that's that's literally that's that's a good definition i was speaking to someone the other day um when i was in london about this and and i think they came to the same conclusion that it's around um how did they put it they said accelerating your retirement so the things that you would do mm-hmm. traditionally people would like work their whole lives mm-hmm. for and and wait to do mm-hmm. when they're older like mm-hmm. in their 60s a lot of these people soft lifers want to do this stuff now but can it be argued that they don't deserve it now who are you to tell them they, they don't, don't deserve it <laughs> no, it's not me. It's not me you hard, saying you hard lifer. Like it's, <laughs> it's just, it's just. I don't know, man. It doesn't sound like a. I would get bored. Mm. It, I don't know. It's just me. I. I don't know. It, it's new to me. Like because I'm. I've only started reading about this quiet quitting stuff less than a week ago. I never heard about it before. Mm. I thought people that just behave like that at work are just, you know, either unhappy where they are or they're able to complete their work in the, in those contractual hours. Like, I've never heard it before. So that's why I'm so a bit... Yeah, yeah. You know, Some I'm, people I'm finding it difficult to collect my opinions on it because I've seen or, three or four different interpretations of it. Well, if you think this is difficult to get your head around, yeah, mm-hmm. wrap your head around this one. So mm-hmm. the earliest discovery, I think, of this whole kind of quiet quitting thing was in China, I believe. Like anyone out there that's like a deep-rooted academic on the subject of quiet quitting, yeah? Like <laughs> correct me in the comments or or call us up or I don't know, call us in up. China? Like got a number, but apparently in China, mm-hmm. it kind of, that's where it kind of like emerged first. And then it evolved into something else, which is called the lying flat movement. Have you heard of that? No. So the lying flat movement goes like one step further than quiet quitting. Oh, 
gosh. And it goes to literal just quitting, right? So people were just like, do you know what? I'm going to quit my job. And I've got zero like backup plan. I haven't even got enough funds in the bank, but I'm just going to kind of gather van, do, do my thing. And I'll just, when I need money, I'll find a temporary job, work, get enough money to go on to the next thing. And they just kind of live their life kind of that way. What the? So it's kind of like, so they got a bigger problem. Like it's kind of moving more into, into that now. Mm-hmm. And then that's moved into kind of another thing, mm-hmm. which is called Let It Rot. Let It Rot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let It Rot. Man, where are you finding it? <laughs> it's all online, man. Where are you finding online. these? So look, today so I've it's, heard. It's basically a step higher on the cynicism scale. So we have. That's what, what it's saying. Okay, so we have quiet quitting. Mm-hmm. We have. What's, L- lying so, flat. Lying flat. Okay. And then Let It Rot. Let it rot and then soft lifers. Mm. So the first three are kind of more extreme versions of the previous. So do you, do you want to know what let it rot is there? Go on. So letting it rot is basically saying that people are kind of frustrated with the lack of opportunity out there. So for instance, for instance, the a couple of generations before us, mm-hmm. right? So for reference, we're millennials. So like a couple of generations before us. Well, we're both turning grey, Joe. Still millennials. Um, <laughs> our parents and their parents, they worked extremely hard to kind of get to a certain lifestyle or, or position in society, so to speak, whatever, yeah? Like call that like upper working class, like middle class, upper class, whatever you want to want to call it, yeah? Like mm. on that kind of generic kind of skill that no one really likes, but just for this reference, I'll just kind of use that. Now, the kids of those generations, mm-hmm. which kind of fall into our category, but I think it's more like the Gen Zs now. Just for the audience, Gen Z means what? Gen Z is like after millennials. So it's the generations after millennials. I believe it's like late, I think it's the 2000s. Okay. You were born early 2000s. And this is their actual name, Gen Z. Gen Z, yeah. So like, okay. they've come to some sort of realization that they have to work twice as hard as their parents did to maintain the lifestyle that their parents gave them. Where did they get that? Because that mentality. The way that the economies. Okay. So because worked, of right? their, their environments, they've yeah. felt like they have to. Or... And, and we do, and to be fair, mm-hmm. we do see that. Look at the UK property market, all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. loads of people moving into rent because of that. So like these kids are saying, hey, like if I want a similar life to my parents, I got to work as twice as hard as them in order to do so. And then they're kind of reflecting and thinking, well, that's not worth it. That's what that's that's literally the conclusion that they're coming to. They're like, mm-hmm. that's not worth it for me. So I'm just not going to bother doing it. Okay. So in terms of like that whole kind of letting it rot movement, it's just like, I'm not going to bother going the extra mile. I'm not going to bother striving to kind of be excellent. I'm not going to bother to work up the career ladder X, Y, Z or work for 30 years and then enjoy my retirement. I'm going to enjoy my retirement now. So any money that I'm getting. I'll just put it into leisure. And I'm just going to put it into whatever. other activities oh, that I enjoy right. and I get fulfillment from. <laughs> so that's a whole other movement that's... Have you ever worked with someone like that or had an assumption that someone is, is like that? I can't lie. Having read a lot on this like, over the last couple of weeks, I can say this probably two ex-colleagues that I can identify identify and kind of Mm. place into that that bracket of I would say borderline quiet quitter I would say here's a question yeah if you identified someone today yeah in your team right who was showing signs of this Mm. or might have even expressed it to you Mm. right how would you respond to it why I would just be like what are 
your motivations because everything that we've discussed is generalized but there might be individual motivations behind why people have adopted that lifestyle if we want to call it a lifestyle so i'd want to speak to the individual and find out specifically what is it about this movement that has attracted them or this behavior or way of living has attracted them mm-hmm. why they they believe that they have to set such kind of hard boundaries like that when it comes to their work and kind of why is that so important and just kind of understand them a, a bit better but at the same time you know I'd also encourage that it's still important to this is my personal kind of opinion and part of this movement is that hustle culture is deemed as toxic right but I'm a hustler <laughs> so for me like I'll do what it needs I'll do what I need to do to get the job done and get the job done well so I want the team that I'm in to have that same energy because and that kind of proactiveness. And that's the thing, like you can have that energy. You can have that energy and you can even execute on that energy and mm. still do great stuff to a very high level and all of this. And you don't have to overwork. Like well, yeah, exactly. it's about efficiency. It's about efficiency and productivity. What would you say to them though? If I identify someone in my team that is yeah. a quiet quitter. Or if they just or laying it or rot, if they disclose to you and let it rot or whatever. You if they disclose to you that, hey, do you know what, yeah. It's mm-hmm. hard, man. Like, don't tell no one, yeah, but I'm quitting quietly right now. <laughs> like, what are you going to say? I'll say, uh, what do you mean? Like, have you resigned? Or it's just in your mind you're saying I've quit, but you're still walking through the doors every morning. Assuming that I know what it means. Obviously, I'll just be like, why, man? Like, what, what's happened, you know? Like, the thing is, everyone's not the same, you know? Everyone's different. And sometimes it's it's quite hard to also read people. So you might have the assumption that your team is doing really well and everyone's happy and all of this. But if you don't talk to people, then you're never going to really know what's going on. But if someone said that to me outright, mm. then that's an indication that they are suffering silently, actually, because they've, why would you confine in me? Like, why would you tell me that? You know, you're obviously looking for a reaction. You're looking for some advice, some validation, maybe, for me to say, actually, why are you doing that? That's not it's not right, you know? And I, I think I'll respond the same way you did. Like, I'll ask them why and try to figure out what's going on, <laughs> you know? And it might be a thing where they just don't like what they do. It might not be about the, the company they work for. They might just be someone who's been in the industry for a long time and just don't like what they do. And, you know, maybe they need to explore other things. But it's a difficult one. It's a really difficult one because I don't know if quiet quitting is seen as a negative thing. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if it's positive or negative. Like, it's so... Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. You know what it's like on projects. And, mm-hmm. you know, you might need to release something within a particular time frame. Okay. And sometimes that's a that's a team effort, right? Most of the time. So if you knew that you relied on your other team members in order to successfully achieve that yeah. kind of project and you found out that one or two of them uh-huh. were quietly quitting or they were doing the bare minimum and then like you're hustling hard like to kind of get this kind of over the line and you might even be putting in a little bit of extra time where you can um, to deliver but then you see them kind of rocking up uh-huh. you know kind of later than you in the morning and then leaving bang on time kind of in the evening how would that kind of make you feel knowing that there's you knowing that you know that there's way more work to do and you're doing the bulk of it see now this creates two problems Mm. or this needs to be unpacked in two different ways now the question is am i overworking and making and creating that imbalance in my team where others appear to be underworking because i'm overworking and they might be working really well but because i'm going way beyond the extra mile i'm making others look like they're underperforming when in actuality mm. they're not mm. that's one area right that just reminds me of um people always assume that the last person out of the office is the hardest working yes yeah and that's completely untrue in actual fact they might be the least efficient 
Exactly. Imagine you're an, the individual that is constantly overworking, constantly over delivering, right? Like this can create a real imbalance in your team because all eyes will be on you at all times, right? It's like, oh, you know, so-and-so, oh, we've got this task. Give it to that person because we know he's going to over deliver, overwork, over, you know, whatever. When it's needed, that's fine because you might be very tight on deadlines. You might be very short for, that. you might have something in your team going on. Some people might be off or on holiday, stuff like that. You know, you've, you've got a shortage in your team. But if that's happening day in, day out, your peers can get a bit tired of that. Mm. And that could actually create this whole quiet quitting situation because it's like because what i said to you before we came into the studio today i asked you i was like jake they must stem from somewhere something must have happened for them to be interested in following that path of quiet quitting and they might just get to the point where i'm i'm doing everything you know I'm doing everything. I've been kicking my ass here every day, you know, really putting in so much work. I just can't get ahead of so-and-so because they're just overworked. They're the ones in the office at midnight. They're the ones that's coming in way before me all the time and stuff like that. That can create a real imbalance. And this, this is an issue because... This doesn't merge people and peers together in creating a real team. It just creates a hub of different types of people. Mm. It doesn't create that bond and that team and that morale that we spoke about in previous episodes. And I think circling back to your question is, I think there's two paths to tackle there. And the first one is, if I identified other people on my team were like that, quote unquote, quiet quitters, right? I would first have to reevaluate myself and be like, well, did I create that? Or did I help create that imbalance and make people feel like that? And then that's the first thing I would address. That's that's interesting. Right? Yeah. The second part would be, if it's not me contributing to that creation of the quiet quitters, then it needs to be addressed. And if I'm, let's just say we have a team lead or, uh, you know, we have our head of department or whatever, we have to go then and get it addressed and be like, look, we've got so much work to deliver in this short amount of time. I've got some quiet quitters here and I can't do all of this on my own. So it's like, you have to identify where the problem is because it just doesn't connect with me. Like when I read about it, when I was going through the various articles and um, watched a few YouTube videos and stuff, it wasn't connecting with me because there must have been somewhere in the process where this quiet quitters leaned towards this movement or... Mm. or created that mindset or these emotions where I'm like, I'm just doing the bare minimum. I don't care. I've been doing this for three years, four years, five years. HR have never approached me. No one's approached me. Everyone's happy with what I'm doing. I don't care. Something's happened. Something's happened. You don't just wake up and behave like that. Mm. And it could be that the golden star on your team that's just overworking all the time, Mm. getting all the promotions, getting everything, and you're not going anywhere. You haven't moved anywhere in the last three, four years. Mm. And you're just like, you know what? I've tried everything and I just can't get past this. that's extremely empathetic, yeah. But what what you've said, mm-hmm. but how would it make you feel? As in, you know that you have to deliver a project. Yeah. You've gone to your team mm-hmm. and you've said, "Hey, like I need your help," and you know, like this needs to, this needs to get done. Like it won't make me feel good. This needs to get done by Friday. It won't make me feel good. And they at turn all. around and they say, "Listen, I'm I'm working till five and I'm gone." No, it won't make me feel good. But and then it's all on you to do then what? Yeah, yeah. It, it won't make me feel good at all because, you know, I'm quite, you know, passionate about when I want to do something well. And, you know, you don't have to expect passionate uh, passion from other people. Like you should always just 
try and do the best that you can. But I mean, it leaves me in a different place to those that when I do work with them, offer really high quality as well. Mm. So like when I work with certain people and I know we're just going back to back and we're pairing with each other and we're, mm. we're solving things and it's like we're hard, difficult, complex requirements and we're solving them together and you can see the happiness on our faces when we deliver and everyone's happy with it and then you just get these, bro, I'm leaving at five. Mm. That's not going to make me feel good at all because... Mm. It's just natural, isn't it? Like it's a natural human emotion where you you want to work with people who are going to uplift you and, and you're going to uplift them and you're almost mentoring exactly. one, I feel one like another. It, it goes against collaboration for me. Of course it does. And like I mentioned earlier, like I'm a hustler mm. and I like to believe that other people like kind of get together and hustle to kind of get the stuff done um, mm. at the kind of best possible quality for the best possible outcome. Mm -hmm. What I'm not saying is overworking either. So like, like what you can said kind of earlier on is like manage your time and kind of do as much as you can people forget that efficiency mm. and productivity and time management are skills mm. people forget that they're skills mm. they're not things that you're born with they are things that need constant fine tuning definitely with engineers anyway you can see when someone is more efficient more productive and more you know manageable with their time against those that are not and that takes time that takes experience mm. right so what you should be doing if you want to be that person who just works your contractual hours that's fine right the company have wrote that contract so mm. obviously they feel like it's fine also but it sounds like these people have this um, mentality where I'm going to do the bare minimum bare minimum is not contractual hours mm. there's a misconception here mm. bare minimum is me reevaluating my morals because if you imagine you your business owner and someone comes in and says and you're you, you're interviewing someone and you ask them a simple question what makes you different to other people it's a valid question I've answered that question before I got I've answered it the, I got it after the office for my answer I've had that question as well they say nothing you're going to get the bare minimum from me I'm never going to work past 530 hmm. I'm never going to upskill the skills that you see on me now is what you're getting and that's it are you going to hire that person no most likely no right so it's not about I'm only going to work my contract to hours to do the bare minimum. To me, that's actually literally saying I'm only going to do the bare minimum is actually quite manipulative mm. because what does everybody do when they're job hunting? They want to shine. They want to filter themselves away from the other applicants. If you say on the top of your CV, I'm only going to work my contract to hours, bare minimum, right? Or that, I would respect that. The bare minimum within my contract. I would hours. respect that. I would respect that because you've boldly mentioned it. Mm. But people don't behave like that when they're job hunting. Mm. They behave like that once they're inside. It's very manipulative, mm. right? There's two things here. It's for me, these people are not willing to upskill on efficiency. They're not willing to upskill on time management and they're not willing to upskill on productivity. Because if you put your time and effort into those three skills, you can work your contractual hours and you can still do good work. Exactly. But I don't think the problem is working, or yeah, part of the problem is working beyond your contractual hours. Another part of the problem, and I think we have kind of alluded to this or kind of slightly discussed it, is saying that they'll do the minimum, putting the minimum effort. The minimum within, effort. Within the yeah. What does that? I think that's what the issue is. That is an issue because when you say I'm going to put in the minimum effort, that tells me that you have this bank of efficiency mm. that you're not putting forth. Mm. You're holding back. We're holding back value. You're holding back value. And then over time, if you're just on a linear path, Mm. let's say you've been at a company for five years operating in that way eventually you're not going to be valuable mm. because someone will come in who might be uh, less experienced than you are right in skill in skills 
and duration and just overtake you mm. and just overtake you. And that happens time and time again. Yeah, yeah I've right? seen it happen actually. That happens time and time again. So I'm not with it, man. Like I'll probably do some more research, mm. but I don't like these movements that uh, where they create these terms. Everything's got a label now. You know, you go on TikTok, there's a new hashtag for something, mm. you know, and no one's forcing you to do anything. No one's forcing you to apply for this company. No one's forcing you to be a designer, a developer. Everything's about choice. Mm. If you want to have an early retirement, all power to you. But work to make something make work hard and make it happen. But to make something a movement and to push it on social media where the new generation don't know how to operate, don't know how to filter their emotions because they're becoming so depressed and anxiety is going on the rise because of social media, mm. because there's so much intake, there's so much dopamine being here. And for you to keep constantly making these movements, I think is um I, I don't think it's right. That's my take on it. And there might be some ignorance there because I'm not really too uh, clued up on the topic. But from what I have read, I'm not with it. Like I said, any experts in the topics of quiet quitting and the like, please correct us or invite yourselves onto the show because we'd love to hear it. This has been kind of a great conversation that I'm sure over time you pick this back up again. I guess out of my own curiosity, just to kind of see where, where it ends up and kind of see how it's impacting businesses. But it's been a pleasure as always having you as my co-host, Saad. And Likewise, man. we're looking forward to the next round of episodes and also hearing the response to this episode because I think this is a very interesting, new and relevant topic. So feel free to kind of reach out to us and uh, let me know your opinions. Are you a quiet quitter? Are you a hustler? Or um, what was that other one? Or laying down rotten? What was it? <laughs> laying down rotten. Letting it rot. That's just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Please don't rot on us. Until next time. Thank you, everyone.